0: Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, practical Buddhism for the modern world. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello, and welcome to Episode 10 of Season 2 of the Toward Light podcast. This week, I'm completing the series on the Buddha's first teaching by talking about the Fourth Noble Truth. The first noble truth, the truth of Dukkha, is that life is a bumpy ride. The second noble truth, the truth of Tanha, is that craving compounds this bumpiness. The third noble truth is that cessation of this cycle of Dukkha and Tanha is possible. And the fourth noble truth is the path that leads to that freedom. From the Teaching The way leading to cessation of suffering as a noble truth is this. It is simply the noble eightfold path. That is to say, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. The Noble Eightfold Path is a big topic, and each path factor can be discussed in depth. So this episode is merely an introduction to this important teaching. There are several books and talk series specifically on the path, and i link to some of them in the show notes. Here is the other part of the sutta on the fourth noble truth. The way leading to cessation of suffering as a noble truth is this. This way leading to cessation of suffering as a noble truth can be developed. This way leading to cessation of suffering as a noble truth has been developed. There are these eight path factors and they are to be developed. So the noble truth is about the actions we take, what we do to become free of tanha and dukkha. In this translation, the Pali word that precedes each factor, sama, is translated as right, and that's a fairly common translation. But in this culture, I find the word right can have connotations of rigidity or limitation, so I prefer the translation of sama as wise, which is what I'll be using as I talk about these factors. As we develop each of these factors, we can see it as a path, one leading to the other, but it is also often depicted as a circle or a wheel with spokes because of the way the factors affect one another. If we develop wise view, that will impact our practice of wise speech. If we develop wise mindfulness, that will impact our development of wise view. So the development aspect of the path is key, but how we go about that, how these eight factors develop in each of us, is personal based on a variety of causes and conditions. We have to be careful how we hold these path factors. If we see them as a checklist or some kind of ladder to climb, it can lead us away from freedom rather than toward it because we get caught in clinging to status and accomplishment. Joseph Goldstein writes, There are both benefits and cautions in mapping the path. A benefit is that we have clarity about what to cultivate. A caution is not to use it as a measuring stick. A benefit is having some order about how to cultivate the factors. A caution is feeling we need to complete one factor before moving to the next. A benefit is seeing the way others have cultivated these factors. A caution is thinking there's only one way to go about it. Or to put it another way, quoting the poet Ruth Feldman, maps don't know everything. The list again. Wise view, wise intention, wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood, wise effort, wise mindfulness, wise concentration. These are often placed in three categories, the wisdom factors, the ethical factors, and the mental cultivation factors. The wisdom factors, the Panya factors, are wise view and wise intention. These are both about the truths we need to know and the orientation we need to hold in order to stay directed toward freedom from dukkha and tanha. Holding wise view means that we know the truth of kama and that we know the four noble truths. The lens we see the world through is one that takes into account that for every action there is a reaction, kama, and that the cycle of dukkha and tanha are present in all conditioned phenomenon, the four noble truths. If we understand these truths, it's going to affect how we move through the world. If we understand that every action has a consequence, we're going to naturally turn toward skillful action rather than unskillful. If we understand that difficulty exists and craving compounds it, and there is a way to be free from that cycle, then we are naturally going to turn toward freedom as much as possible. The truths, these views, are then the groundwork for wise intention. If we know the Four Noble Truths and the Truths of Kama, then we are going to want to do everything with wise intention. Wise intention is made up of three aspects, non-harming, renunciation, and goodwill. This is the soil that all of our thoughts, words, and deeds sprout from. An example, if I'm waiting in line at the grocery store and the person in front of me is taking a long time... If I'm not coming from a place of wise intention, I might become frustrated and reactive and maybe even say something. But if I'm coming from wise intention, I want to make sure however I think speak act is not harming anyone. I renounce, I let go of my rush and my judgment. And I access kindness and compassion for the person in front of me, the cashier, myself and those around us. So that's one way that we can see wise intention show up in our lives, even though it starts in our minds, in our understanding, in our wisdom. Wise view and wise intention, these Panya factors, take time to cultivate as we both study the teachings and see the wisdom in our daily lives. The next three factors are the Sila or ethical factors. They are wise speech, wise action, and wise livelihood. With wise speech, we work to refrain from lying, harsh or divisive speech, gossip, and idle chatter. We are then looking to cultivate speech that is honest, kind, timely, and useful. And we can see if we're cultivating the path factor of wise intention, then naturally we're going to work not to harm with our speech. If we're not causing harm with our speech, we're creating goodwill. These factors are developing together. Wise action asks that we refrain from killing, stealing, and being unwise with our sexual energy. Again, the guiding principle is non-harming. Sometimes we can see this path factor and think it's easy, or that we're already doing it. I'm not a killer. I'm not a thief. I'm not a rapist. But as we progress on the path, we begin to see the subtle ways we may be killing, like insects, or taking what's not freely given, like bringing home creamers from the office. Or harming with our sexual energy, having sex when we don't feel like it because our partner wants to, or vice versa. We know the truth of karma from wise view, so we understand our actions have consequences, so we work not to cause harm with our actions. That's wise action. Wise livelihood is about how we make and spend money, how we participate in our society, and can we do this with this underlying principle of non harming? Again, at first blush, that can seem easy. I'm not a criminal, or I work for a good company. But as we look deeply with a heart inclined toward non-harming, we may notice ways that our company negatively impacts the environment, or that our relationship to work is harming our own well-being, or that we aren't really sure who is actually making the clothes that we buy. We see our role in the global economy, and we do our best to participate without causing harm. All three of these Sila factors are wonderful to work with because so much of our days consist of talking, acting, and working, so we have the opportunity to practice the path to liberation frequently in everything that we do. And as we speak and act and work from a place of non-harming, we start to have more confidence in the path, which in turn allows us to deeply cultivate all of the factors. We trust in this process. As the teacher Max Erdstein says, the path unfolds the more we feel safe, the more we can trust. The more we can see positive results, the more we trust, and the more we can keep going on this path. The final three path factors make up the samadhi or mental cultivation factors, wise effort, wise mindfulness, and wise concentration These are all about our meditation practice, which in turn influences our mind throughout our days. In wise effort, we are asked to undertake four efforts, abstaining from unwholesome mind states, abandoning them when they do arise, cultivating wholesome mind states, and sustaining them as they arise. And we see that when our mind states are wholesome, it's easier for our actions to be too. As the activist, congressman, and author John Lewis put it, Every positive thought we pass between us makes room for more light, and if we do more than think, then our actions clear a path for even more light. It is normal for us to have unwholesome mind states arise, and we can often try and forcefully push them away or judge ourselves, so wise effort is a balance. We work not to push or strive too hard while also not being too relaxed. We cultivate a balanced way to be with whatever is arising in our minds and in our practice so, as John Lewis says, we can make room for more light. In wise mindfulness, we cultivate embodied, non-judgmental awareness of our present moment experience. We use the tools from a later teaching, the Satipatthana Sutta, to help us establish mindfulness of body, Vedana, mental states, and objects. The more we cultivate mindfulness, the more we see the tendencies of our mind and the importance of consciously taking wise action. The more wise action we do, the easier it is for mindfulness to be present because wholesome action brings about wholesome mind states. Many folks in the West come to Buddhism because they were recommended mindfulness as a self-care or wellness tool. But as we can see, mindfulness does not exist in a vacuum, and it is only a true path to liberation if it is supported by the other seven factors. The third samadhi factor is wise concentration. This can be referring to both deep absorption states of concentration, the jhanas, and the more momentary concentration that arises in our practice and lives. Concentration can arise naturally in our mindfulness practice. As we train our concentration on our present moment experience, we then see the truth of Kama and the truth of the noble truths, which circles us right back into wise view. This path to liberation includes wisdom, ethics, and mental cultivation. It encompasses the whole of our lives. It gives us a framework for freedom, but there's a lot of space within that framework to cultivate these factors in an authentic way for each of us. We see how the factors support the development of one another, and we notice that in some moments some factors are easier to access than others, and that's okay. These eight noble path factors can develop organically as long as we are oriented towards liberation from the cycle of dukkha and tanha. Thank you for listening. Please check out any links in the show notes. You can find me on my website, towardlight.net, or on Instagram at TowardLight108.